Welcome to Standout Life, a podcast dedicated to living boldly amongst the busyness. My name's Ali Hill, and as a psychologist, I love asking people questions. And I thought, what better way to do this than to get the people I admire into a studio to share their stories? This podcast is our corner of the world where all of us can dive deep into what it takes to live a standout life. There are some conversations that you have that leave you feeling more connected with humanity than ever before. And that's how I felt meeting and chatting with Perry Cross. Perry Cross is an inspirational Australian. In 1994, he suffered a significant spinal injury at the age of 19 whilst playing rugby and became a C2 quadriplegic. Since the accident, Perry's achievements are numerous and inspirational, including being Australia's first motivational speaker on life support, the first Australian quadriplegic to complete a university degree on campus, graduating with a Bachelor of Communications from Bond Uni. He's authored a biography called Still Standing, and most notably, in 2010, established the Perry Cross Spinal Research Foundation. Perry believes that we will find a cure for quadriplegia, enabling people to move again, and talks about how he connects with his body on a daily basis in order to ready himself for this possibility. Perry is engaging, connected and funny and holds the claim to fame that he showed Superman how to fly. You're going to have to listen to this episode to find out how. With the mindset that everything's possible, tune in to this conversation with Perry Cross. So Perry, welcome to the studio. It's great to have you in here. Thank you for having me here. Cheers. Look, I want to start, um, I guess, by just finding out a bit more about your earlier earlier mm. life. When yeah. did you grow up? When did you... Yeah, I was um, I was born in Taree in uh, East Wales, and we, my family had a cattle property just out inland from Taree, and um, about three hundred acres or probably even more. And um, I guess as a kid, my childhood was a lot of running around on property and riding horses and motorbikes and chasing cows and all that sort of stuff as a as a farm kid. Yeah. And then um, moved to the Gold Coast when I was, you know, uh, 10 or so and then spent most of my, you know, teenage years here growing up and a uh, bit of a change of lifestyle, surfing, playing a lot of sport. Not quite the cow yards and the, no, <laughs> the quad bike. It was a big change, yeah, a big yeah. change. But Did your um, family still have cattle up here on the Gold Coast? No, no, we... so we moved to the city, you know, like a total opposite, which was so good. Because what, was I, the, what was the reason for that? Uh, I think, um, you know, the, the industry, the cattle industry got hard, you know. That was the start of a few big changes for the Australian cattle industry back in the 80s. Um, you know, dairy prices had changed. All these sort of really um, poignant things that we've seen play out now, you know, just 30-odd, 40-odd years later down the track. Mm. But the dairy industry in Australia is on its knees, you know, all these issues that started a long time ago. Um, so um, that was the instigator for it. And family, you know, we had a lot of family here as well, so it was just a bit of a culmination of a few things, you know, so it's, um, but it was good. I enjoyed going up on the Gold Coast because it's an um, amazing place. There's so much to do. You have an active lifestyle and I was a pretty active yeah. kid. Yeah. Did you have brothers and sisters? Yeah, so I've got an older sister and a younger brother. Okay. Yeah. So, um, yeah, and, you know, um, 
Yeah, they, you know, we all loved living the lifestyle on the Gold Coast, so it was good. Yeah. Were you surfer? Was, is a that little kind bit of, of surfing, yeah. yeah. Played a lot of rugby and, you know, did rowing and cricket and all those sort of sports, but, um, yeah, played a lot of rugby and that was obviously how I got injured as well, so. Yeah, yeah. So tell me a bit about, so the age of 19. Yeah, I was 19. I was playing rugby at Ballymore in Brisbane and um, in a tackle, uh, a ruck formed and then um, at the bottom of the ruck I was injured in the bottom of a ruck and I remember laying there on the ground thinking, oh my God, something terrible's just happened because um, they say when you break your neck it's like switching out the lights because all that electricity goes from the body straight away, you know, it just goes dark straight away. And that was your experience? Yeah, you lose feeling and movement instantly. Was it pain or no, was no it pain. just... No, no pain. it's a weird, weird thing. Just, um, yeah, um, and I remember thinking, you know, I had never met anyone with a spinal cord injury, so I knew nothing about paralysis, but I knew when I was paralysed what it was. Mm. You know, you didn't have to be told that this is what paralysis is like because you lose all that feeling and movement, you know, and when you can't move, you obviously... Um, yeah, it's massive impact on your body and and then a also massive impact on your mind and your state of mind and yeah. all that sort of thing, yeah. Were you playing rugby at a fairly high level it, to it be playing? A, yeah, it was a trial match for a representative team. So, yeah, um, you know, I was working my way up, not to say that I was ever going to be any good, um, but, you know... Uh, it was a big part of your life. Yeah, it was family. just a... Yeah, and rugby was still amateur back in those days as well, so it wasn't as if there was a career option in it, I suppose. It was a bit of a weekend thing. But um, but it was with my mates and it was you know, something we enjoyed doing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, so there was this split second, this moment where, where that yeah. um, had happened. And yep. Uh, I remember laying there on the ground and all my mates standing around me thinking... Um, you know, they're talking to me, trying to sort of, you know, support me and that sort of thing. And I was like, I knew that um, that this was really bad and that, you know, I knew paralysis was permanent. Um, Did you know at that time that that might have been the outcome? So yeah, I, like, I don't know how or why, but you just can tell, you know, it's one of those things where you just, um, you know, instinctively... This is really bad. Um, and um, then, you know, the doctors and the, you know, the support staff come over and they start talking to you and you can tell by their reaction as well. Um, ambulance turns up and they had the wrong ambulance because you need a medivac ambulance, like a proper, you know, stabilising ambulance. And you can tell then, you know, that things are going downhill pretty fast. But, um, and it's emotional, I still get bloody emotional after, you know, almost 25 years, but I guess it's, um, because it, it's so clear in my mind. I remember the whole thing playing out and it's like, geez, you know, if only I could pick that ball up and do it all again, you know, it's like, go back and change it all. But it's, um... And what's the emotion that's coming up for you? Is that the, a uh, kind of a loss of what I think you that have was? that clarity around what happened and then what um, what the experience is like. It's a tough experience, mm. you know, like 
for anyone that's ever been through, and most people, the funny thing is most people have been through something in their lives, you know, the loss of, you know, a loved one or, you know, bad accident or whatever it might be, everyone goes through it, but it's like, geez, it's pretty raw. When you think back about it, when you talk about it, it's like, yeah, okay, I remember that pretty pretty vividly. So, um, that's... And what were the days after that like? Because I imagine yeah. that's pretty intense, not only processing what's just happened, yeah, but well, the, the medical ex- whirlwind that I can only imagine you went through. Yeah, well, the first few days, you, I don't really recall anything because you're um, heavily sedated and basically in like an induced coma and then um, they bring you out of, you know, that situation. Um, I had a surgery the night of my injury to stabilise my neck. They fused the bones in my neck with the bone out of my hip. And um, I went onto a ventilator. I drained the surgery, I went into life support because I'd stopped breathing and I never came off the life support. So that heavy breathing noise, it's not just a heavy breather in the room, it's just <laughs> my ventilator that's supporting my breath. Yeah. Um, and I speak on the in and out breath of the ventilator and I have that little gap because of the ventilator taking the air back out of my lungs so um so I went under the ventilator and uh came off two or three days later uh, sorry came to sort of two or three days later in the hospital um and people around me sort of trying to communicate with me and you know work out when I was sort of cognitive understanding what was happening because it takes a little bit of time to digest what's going on did you have, were there conversations? Um, there were conversations happening and, you know, yeah. you know, you're in and out of sort of that waking state where you see people and you hear things. And, um, and I was sort of um, coming through thinking, wow, what's going on? Like, and why am I in this situation? And then it all sort of comes back to you, like, okay, that's what's going on. That's why I'm here. Like, um, and... Um, Family and friends all around, you know, and everyone coming to see you and talk to you and that. And I couldn't speak. Um, I didn't speak after my accident for the first six months. So I had, like, a very high-level spinal injury. So there's swelling in your spinal cord. goes right up into the base of your brain, basically, when, when you have a high-level injury. So um, I couldn't speak. I couldn't were you eat, aware couldn't at that time? Yeah. So yeah. you were kind of trapped fully, in that... Fully conscious, yeah. Um, all I could do is see and hear. And it was pretty, you know, that's a tough time as well because it's like, well, you're not, you're not getting that, um, some of those simple satisfactions in life, the pleasures of eating and drinking and, you know, you're stuck in a bed, like it's pretty, um, pretty depressing sort of time, but, and hospital can be pretty depressing. Because there's not much going on there. That's no, really no, the routine's the same. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and six months is a is a long yeah. time. Like yeah. you think about a day or two of that would yeah. be enough yeah. to send anyone oh, yeah. a bit bonkers. So, yeah, well, yeah. A, a couple of months into it, I got pretty, you know, low and uh, like, and it didn't look like there was much hope, you know, because um, you, um, you know. You sort of get to a stage where you're like, well, is this as good as it's going to be? Like, and I remember having a conversation with my mum about, you know, um, do you want to go on? Do you want to live? All this sort of stuff. Because, you know, you've got nothing and you're surrounded by machines. And, and um, 
doctors and all this stuff happening and you're thinking, well, you know, is, is this um, is this as good as it's going to get? So, um, it was, well, those yeah. conversations must be pretty yeah. real, pretty confronting. Mm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah, it is. It's, um, it's something I, you know, you wouldn't wish upon anyone to go through. But every day in Australia, another person suffers a spinal injury. It's a, you know, lifelong condition. So it's it's pretty um, terrible situation for anyone that goes through it and their family and all that. So. Have you got any, um, as you say, yeah, 20 odd years on mm. now, any inclination or idea of what that experience was like for your family at the time? Yeah, it's pretty tough. I mean, my parents were, I was in Brisbane, my parents were commuting from the Gold Coast every day, trying to run a family business, trying to support the two other, you know, my siblings. Um, and puts a lot of stress on the relationships. And my parents divorced after my injury, not long after my injury, you know, like, so it just, there's a lot of, um, you know, just social impact things that happen as well. So, yeah. and my mates, you know, some mates, that were there sort of don't cope very well with the fact that they saw it all happen and then other mates sort of become closer to and sort of connect, you know, on a different level with. So it's, it, yeah, it has a huge impact on everyone at different levels. Uh, yeah, yeah. Do you still have connections with some of those yeah, yeah. mates who were there yeah, on the definitely. day? Yeah, definitely, yeah. talk to them frequently. So, yeah, yeah, they've been, you know, very loyal in that respect. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So six months before you spoke, mm. um, do you remember what that first word was? <laughs> or <laughs> well, ironically, it was it was just a, a sound making a mm. noise because um, well, basically when you get wind or air going back past your vocal cords, it's like wow, you know, like yeah, it's amazing. So it was like um, I just tested my voice to see if it would work, and then I I think I was like. Oh, or something, you know, something simple, basic, but it was, um, yeah, you know, a moment that I was like, if I can't speak, that's going to be a, you know, it's going to be tough, mm. you know, having not being able to speak first of life. So, um, and there are people out there that do it, you know, every day, and they, they cope amazingly well by, you know, the way they communicate without having to, without speaking. So it's, um, Speaking is definitely, um, you know, an important part of the way we live. Yeah, yeah. That well, it's where relationships. Yeah, that's right. Often are formed, and yeah. as you say, there are there are other ways and means uh, yeah. around that, and, and mm. we we kind of compensate. But mm. yeah, I can imagine for you, there's probably a part of you that that small sound sounded yeah. like the best yeah, song yeah, ever. Was, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and um, I still remember eating. You know, wanting to eat again and those mm. sort of things and. My mates used to, because um, yeah, I didn't eat for months on end, and my mates would come and visit me in hospital and they'd have, you know, takeaway food with them and that sort of stuff. And I'd be like going, are you kidding? You know, you've, you've come to see me and you brought lunch and I can't eat. And all, all oh, all I think I would smell eat. it yeah. must have been torture. Yeah, so, so in the end um, we used to get, um, eventually after, you know, uh, sheer frustration, um, I used to get him to bring back some Maccas for me and I'd have a bite of the Maccas and chew it up and spit it back out. 
just so I could get that sensation and oh, taste in my and, mouth. And what was that like? like well, it was a relief. You know, it was like, oh, wow, I can, you know, my taste buds are working. I wasn't allowed to swallow it, obviously, because I couldn't swallow it. Um, but to be able to, you know, you know, just spit it back out. But I would say people want to meet them now. It's the best thing you can do with maggots is cheer it up and spit it back out. <laughs> All of us six yeah. weeks ago. <laughs> yeah, that's it. But, uh, no, it's, it's just one of those... You know, moments where you go, oh, thank God I can, you know, savour the flavour of food, you know. Yeah. And now can you, can you yeah, swallow? So you my, can yeah, so my function. So I've regained some, you know, most of the neurological function in the, you know, upper end of my spine has regained, yeah, control over it. So eating, drinking, you know, obviously speaking, um, but I still can't breathe on my own, so... Yeah, it's just weird how a spinal cord injury just has this unique ability to turn some things off, turn some things on. Yeah, it's it's crazy how. It's is is some of that where the injury occurs? Yeah, it's well? the best way to describe it. It's like um, you can imagine you know the Telstra worker with a heap of phone lines, you know, and someone cuts through a lot of those phone lines. It doesn't. You're not necessarily sure which phone line's going to get cut and why, and it's like, and then you've got to try and reconnect all those phone lines. This is basically what's happened, you know. Um, and some phone lines don't get damaged, and some do, and you know, it's so it's that's what basically the spinal cord is like, you know. And from my injury, I've had a you know, fairly high up, so the higher up your back, and you can feel the bones in the back of your neck. You can feel your spine, obviously, but um, there's the big bump. If you feel the back of your neck, the big lump in the back of your neck is that's where your neck starts, mm-hmm. and below that is where your back starts. Anything down from there, anything up from there. Um, so, um, and I've, I've broken the bone that's right up to the base of my skull, the back of my neck. Mm. Um, yeah, and you know, the lower down you go, the less impact it has. So it's um, it's uh. It's a mystery of life. They say it's the holy grail of medicine to be able to cure paralysis because if we can work out what switches on and off those nerve um, fibres, we know what switches them off, but if we know how to reignite them, um, then we can fire up all sorts of different um, neurological conditions with the body. You know, brain injury, Parkinson's, Alzheimer's, yeah. obviously paralysis. The whole... the, the um, flowing effect is huge. Yeah. yeah, it's really, we're very much in that pioneering mm. stage in yeah. terms of understanding medicine and science, and I know a big part of your, mm. your life now is, is very much dedicated to that. Was there, like, even in that first year or two years, was mm. part of that, you know, discovering which ones of those lines were still connected yeah. and which ones yeah, were? Yeah, that's, and you do as much rehabilitation as you can to try and get as max value back out of your body as you can because, um, yeah, you know, you want to try and regain as much um, freedom, control as you can. So, um, you know, rehabilitation is a big part of it these days. Back when I was injured, there wasn't much rehabilitation uh, compared to what there is now. Um, these days they have proper rehabilitation clinics and that sort of thing, so yeah, it plays a big part. Yeah, yeah, in what what you're doing. How long were you in hospital? I was only there for eight months, so luckily my parents built a house in that time that I'd 
Banja that was fully accessible allowed me to move home because I just had to get out of hospital. Um, and I was out of hospital for about two years, probably, and I was, like, um, very sort of lost in my direction and thought about what I was going to do and you know, what, what light I had. So um, I enrolled in university and that sort of got me back on my feet. Yeah. So what did speak. you do at university? Um, I did a communications and business degree, so, yeah. yeah. And, um, and that gave me the confidence to be able to not only, um, you know, study and learn and develop um, a career, but also um, socially it gave me a lot of confidence to be able to get back out, meet people, talk to people, become a uni student. Yep. Um, you know, like, have that right to yeah, passage. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> All those fun things that come with that. Yeah. Um, and 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 give me that sense of purpose in my life again. You know, um, I think if I hadn't have gone to university, I might might have been a different story. You know. Yeah. Yeah. I can only imagine that having those those bits of purpose is really really key for mm. you in terms of of the next step and stage. So you completed was that a three year. Degree? Yeah, um, yeah, three years. Yep, yeah, so a bit longer maybe. But um, and I was only doing it part time. Some some semesters I do full time. Some sometimes I part time. But it was um, it was just a you know, and I was right into you know obviously marketing and PR and all that sort of thing and you know knowing um, understanding how that works and the value that adds to you know business and. And all that sort of thing, so yeah. it was good. Was some of that interest um, a bit on the radar even before your accident? Were there things in that that you were interested in, or, or? not really? Like not really. I'd always been a very um, sort of personable sort of person, so I guess some of those traits were there. As a kid, I studied um, at school. I did a lot of speech and drama, so I was always a bit of a larrikin, and you know, in mind speaking in front of people and all that, you know. that allowed me to get back into speaking as a bit of a um, side career to what I do with the foundation. So there's always been that, that um, element to me that's always had that um, more front than mine, maybe, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. yeah. Again, the importance of speech then, I imagine, mm. was, was really key. Yeah. You know, to keep keep that part of who yeah. you are. Well, that, yeah, that, that, um, my degree gave me the ability to, to promote what I was doing and, and then, um, and then the, the speaking sort of side of things allowed me to express my passion, you know, yeah, so it's mm. a good combination, I guess. Yeah. Considering yeah. I don't have that physical ability to do anything, yeah. Yeah, and you, um, and it was a lovely statement you said even before we we started this conversation that that often our physical experience is very much a mental mm. um, experience. Mm. Yeah. yeah, what's what's that been like for you? I guess to yeah. to navigate this new world. Yeah, yeah I got to admit it's not easy. It's not easy for anyone, you know. Like I think life's challenging for everyone, and it's just on different, you know, at different levels and different points in their lives doesn't matter who you are, what you do, you know, I think everyone gets the same challenge and at the, and at the same capacity. It's just our ability to sort of um, cope and, and refocus. And I, 
I've studied a lot of um, different philosophy around what what it is that makes our mind um, the way it is, and uh, and how to cope with all that sort of stuff. So, um, and for me, it's all about staying focused. You know, if you're focused on where you've been and what you had and what you've lost, then it, life's pretty grim and pretty dire. But if you look forward and you focus on where you're going and what you've got and what you can do, then life offers a lot more and there's a lot more good and a lot more hope in life. Um, it's only the way you look at it. That's all life is. And it's just about which way you engage your mind. Yeah. What helps you? Because sometimes our mind can wander. Yeah. <laughs> we can, it can go down a pathway, even though we're mentally strong and we go, no, 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 I'm going to, yep. this is the way I want to view the world. Mm. Sometimes our mind still pulls us into those, whether dark thoughts or places. Yep. What, what helps you, like if that happens, what helps you to come back to that? Well, it's the amount of time you're allowed to wander. You know, if you wander for hours and days and weeks and months, then, you know, it's hard to pull out of that um, and it's the amount of time that you wander and I think um, having things to focus on in life, having um, clear, concise direction helps. Often you can slip back and, you know, get lost and the mind does tend to wander and, and um, but it's just that ability to, to snap out of it and when I say snap out of it, Leave the room you're in, go outside, change the radio station, whatever it is that you're doing, don't get stuck in that rut or that trap. Um, you know, go for a drive, get a coffee, like whatever it might be that changes your uh, state change, of mind. Change the environment. That's mix it. Mix that up, sing and something. That's what, it, that's what it takes. The longer you sit and dwell and mull over things, the longer they'll last and the worst they'll get. Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Time for a coffee run. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Out of the sun. yeah, that's it. How yeah. important is the people you have around you? Yeah, it's very important. But I think I think it, there's a flow and effect. See, you attract those people. Um, they don't attract you, even in a sense. Uh, you attract them to you by your energy and your um, personality and... and yeah, energy is the, the one thing. Um, then you can tell energy in a room and people, when you meet people and their personalities, just by um, their feeling and a sense that, you know, that sixth sense maybe or that other senses we don't really understand. But, um, yeah, you bring people around you that, that are like-minded and, and um, similar in, in the way they think. Are you um, more attuned to that now, maybe, than you were previously in terms of...? Yeah, well, I think I have a better understanding of what that means and what it's like. But um, I think you don't even have to understand it to, to know that it happens, to mm. see, you know, people that don't realise what it is um, would still have it happening around them, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, and I guess, do you, are you kind of tuned in if there are people who, whether it's energy-wise or come into your mm. space, who you kind of go, 
no, no, yeah, that's, yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's not yeah. what. But, yes, but also tend to help people. Like, I tend to just, you know, work with people to say, look, and given that sort of, that, um, I don't know, uh, direction maybe, whatever the, the word is, that they need to be able to join in. You know, like, yeah. um, I used to have this saying years ago, you know, like, who's coming with me? Because it, you're on this journey in life and we're all on this journey and it's like, well, you'll pick up the people along the way that'll come with you. And they're not all on your journey, they're just part of your journey, you know, so... And um, it's important to have the right people around you coming with you on that journey. Mm. Yeah, and imagine, and sometimes, as you say, it's just for a season. Yeah. Or it's, it's for a little longer. Yeah, like some people, <laughs> you know, hang around and are involved in the journey for a long time. Some people just short experiences. But, um, you know, you attract those people that you need at the times that you need. And um, if your state of mind is, is in the right place... Yeah. yeah. Um, so one of the things that you have got purpose on now mm. um, that's given you purpose is your mm. foundation, mm. so the Perry Cross Foundation. Yes. Where did the impetus to start a foundation come from? Mm. Well, I was... Um, shortly after I was injured, um, there was this guy in America got injured um, with a similar injury. And I was like, well, I want to go and meet this guy. Um, and I um, and I, I had been told I couldn't fly and all these things that you couldn't do in life because of my injury. You know, you'll never be able to go in the water, do all these stupid things. You know, people say, oh, you can't, you can't. You'll never be able to do this and that. And they wrote a lot of lists of things. Anyway, I, one of the things, I wouldn't be able to fly. So I... Long and short of it was, I, I basically convinced my GP to sign off on the medical clearance forms that I needed to be able to get on a plane. Um, I worked with the airline to work out how they would power a ventilator to get from one side of you know the world to the other. Um, because back in then you didn't have powerpoints on planes, all this sort of stuff. And I um, I went on this journey exploring and uh, ended up in the States caught up with this guy who was a massive inspiration in my life and um, and it turns out that person was, was Christopher Reeve, a Superman actor and he, he'd been in a um, horse riding accident the year after me and I, I remember when I met him he said to me, oh there'll be a cure for paralysis, we just need to go and find it you know, we just need to go on, on the mission to go and get it. You've just got to stay persistent, focus, that sort of stuff, you know. I didn't realise at the time what that was all about, but that was what he was talking about. And um, and after I spoke to Christopher Reeve, he was, like, asking me stuff. He's like, how did you get to America? Because he obviously in the same medical condition I had. I said, well, mate, I did this and did that. And talked to the airlines and we sorted out, overcame a few challenges because his doctors had been telling him that he'd never be able to fly as well because of um, you know, 
severity of our injuries and the, the risk. Anyway, um, I gave him a few pointers. And my claim to fame these days now is that I taught Sydney how to fly again because after... <laughs> I love it. Yeah. After that, he... Uh, he Anything's was able possible. To fly, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so that was you know, a great moment for me to be able to share that experience with him. But it was... That was my inspiration at that moment when he was saying, you know, we'll kill paralysis. Mm. you just got to go and, you know, find it. Um, and, and he was the guy that had... On, you know, on tap, the most, you know, amazing minds in the world in terms of neuroscience. So he knew better than anyone at the time that it was possible if we had the right amount of funding and, you know, the right people working on this project. So um, it's, yeah, it was pretty um, amazing experience you can't you can't ignore that right no, <laughs> I, mean, yeah. I can imagine yeah, yeah after that conversation yeah. like that's and that was what gave me that um inspiration to set up my own foundation here in australia and, and fund medical research yeah so how long's the foundation been running for in, the, in its um like i've been fundraising for 20 odd years and just different projects along the way in its current format we've been running since 2010 and um, the last four or five years we've been funding research at Griffith University on the Gold Coast. Um, and uh, they've got some incredible stuff happening there that we believe is you know, some of the best research in the world at the moment. Yeah, cause, and we were only um, talking again before off mic that Queensland Government only just last week have, mm. have come to the party in some yeah. ways in terms of... Um, promising, what was it, five million? That's right. Yeah, so five million will give us um, the funding to be able to basically, and this is trying to break it down so I can keep it in layman's terms, but purify the cells so they're good quality, you know, because you take cells out of your body and um, you get all types of different quality of cells um, and you want the best quality of cells. They're going to be able to relay, you know, good quality messages and, and conduct that electricity I was talking about, you know, because we need that electricity to go, you know, from the brain back through the spine down to the arms and legs, you know. So we're trying to get reproduce the really quality cells. So that five million will last us two or three years just working out how to get top quality cell um, and also the technique on how to implement those cells because at some point we'll have to do surgeries to um to implant those cells into the body and is this really cutting edge even worldwide yeah or? so the, the cells that we're talking about come from the um, they're olfactory and sheathing cells and they come from the nasal cavity um which might sound a bit gross have that the nasal uh, nasal cavity is very close to our brain obviously so and our nasal cavity has this ability to smell. And when we smell, we do a lot of damage to those cells because um, you breathe in fumes or toxins or paint or whatever you do during the day. And, and but those cells reproduce super rapidly. Every 24 hours they're reproducing, um, they're dying they're, and they're growing. Um, but they're closely connected to the brain and we believe that the if we can take the, um, the best cells out of the, 
that area, we can use those. Because they're going to be rapid growth yeah, cells. To transplant back into the, into the spine. And, and early indications are from other trials that, um, that this is this is the game changer because um, we've seen people regain significant function. Um, when I talk about significant, fun- significant function, it's not about just getting people out of their wheelchairs and walking tomorrow. We need to get people... You know, like me, you say, off my ventilator, moving one arm, you know, moving a leg. or it's There's a whole, you know, range of things that could happen I to be able to improve your quality of life. So, yeah. Um, and the gentleman that pioneered this technique is a Professor Alan Mackay-Sim. He's a Queenslander. And he is now the current Australian of the Year because of okay, what he's done. Right. Yeah. So really? he's the guy with the crazy moustache yeah. that everyone probably has seen. Yep. Um, and he was the one that thought up this this idea and and, um, and started the technique and now we're, we're progressing his science. Yeah, so, and it's, I know it's kind of probably one of those pie in the sky kind of questions, but is there a bit of an idea on, on when that science might start to cascade into? Yeah, I'm hoping we can have something into people in the next three to five years that clinical procedures will happen here in Queensland in three to five years. Mm. Um, and, and confident that we can see significant improvement in people's quality of life. Amazing. Uh, and will uh, funding help? Yeah, so it's all a funding up? challenge. Like, like anything, you know, like any, you know, um, disease or uh, injury, it's all about having the right amount of funding to be able to um, have enough minds focused on solving the problems, you know, um, because it's just a problem-solving issue. Yeah. (laughs) Basically, because we, as humans, we're so clever, we can, you know, we can solve most things, and if we just have more minds and, you know, focused on the issue, then we'll get to the... The end game. The end game. So it's um, it's just a funding issue. More people we have looking at it, working on it, um, developing better technique, better, um, better cell quality, better physiotherapy methods, all these sort of things. Then we'll we'll see people improve their quality of life. Mm. And I can imagine that's a big driver mm. for you to keep going with, oh, yeah. with the fundraising that happens with your foundation yeah. and the events and. Um, as you say, the support from Queensland government is phenomenal, but mm. it's also just a drop in the yeah. ocean of. It, of it is. It takes a lot of money to be able to to get a clinical trial happening, and it could take in the vicinity of fifty million dollars, but it could involve up to you know twenty five or more patients over you know a long period of time doing significant amounts of rehabilitation mm. um, surgery so it's a, it's an involved process um, and that, that's it's the good and the bad about science it's expensive it takes a lot of time but we've got to get this right because um you know obviously you want people getting the best results we can so mm. and are you at the front of the line as one of those kind it's, of guinea <laughs> <ironic. laughs> it's ironic someone in my situation is probably at the back of the line because um my injury level is so high and so close to my brain, so um, they would probably wait to work on me until, you know, they'd proven that the technique was going to be effective in people with lower injuries. Yeah, just because of the fact that 
Yeah, there's more risk involved with my injury. Uh, but, um, but that's OK. I mean, it, it's funny that, you know, I'm probably the one that's going to uh, wait the longest, but... The, um, it'll be kinked out by yeah, then. <laughs> You'll yeah, know exactly that's what's right, going yeah. on. <laughs> yeah, and we'll have um, you know the best treatment available, but it's but it's just about um, time now and, yeah. and money. You know. Do you ever think about what that world would be like if, if in recovery? In yeah. recovery, for yeah, you definitely. to be able to get off your ventilator, uh, to be able yeah. to move an arm. Yeah. What's yeah? Yeah. Well, I'm part of the team that helps. You know, um, develop what the, what a what a program would be like to um, have you know rehabilitation programs. So I, I have to imagine what what we've got to do for people. You know, and um, and half of it is being able to envisage what you've got to go through and what it's like. And you know, some of the some of the things you have to consider for people that go into these sort of trials is their mental state, their ability to stay it out, you know, and see it through because it could take two or three years of um, post-surgery re- rehabilitation. So all those sort of things need to be considered. You know, they need to be um, athletes in their own right just to be able to commit to the project. Yeah, there's a huge amount of focus and, and mm. mental um, determination. And and I guess I also wonder around even just that shift in identity as well mm. as start to... Um, that possibility, as you say, it yeah. will happen. It, yeah, it, it yeah. will happen in yeah. um, in the next couple of years with funding and focus mm. and the determination. Yeah, yeah. But it can also shift that um, that identity from from who you've been yep. to now what's what's new and what's yeah, possible. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, and I, I think um, I've always kept in my mind the fact that. Um, I am paralysed, but you still need to be able to move and um, connect with your body, even though I can't feel. I still imagine in my mind connecting with my body. So when I sit here and look down my body and my arms and my legs and my feet, like, I still imagine that they're here, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's hard to explain. That must be really important, mm, though, because I imagine yeah. if you don't, then it's yeah. just this... You lose that connection. Yeah. yeah. And having to um, try and imagine where your arms are and where your legs are, you know, it's an it's an important thing to keep that connection from your brain running, because if you lose that connection from your brain, then you've got to try and um, reimagine it. Yeah. It's really interesting because I think and and I've worked with um, a lot of health professionals, but um, you know, occupational therapists and physios and mm. OTs, and there are a lot of people who. Um, even with full feeling capability, mm. actually don't really often connect with their body. When you ask them where the pain is or mm. what that feels like, yeah. we're, we're so top heavy and head heavy. Yeah. <laughs> and we're rolling to the doctor and say, oh, doc, I don't feel well. Why? Well, I don't know. You, you haven't really tuned, in. yeah. tuned into what your body's telling you. Yeah. And often it's, you know, did you have a drink of water this morning before, after you got out of bed? You know, all those sort of th- simple things like, um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, you know, some of the simplest things in life solve some of the most common things. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah, no, I, I can see that um, importance for, for you but also mm. for, for anyone to kind of go, yeah, actually tune in to yeah. those sensations and um, yeah. and what's going on. Yeah, well, more so for me because, because I can't feel and I can't move. 
I yeah. have to be super tuned in my body about why it's doing what it's doing, yeah. how it's doing it, you know, what's causing that, you know, all those sort of things. Because, um, yeah, my health is just super important, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so with a lot of work happening with the, the foundation, mm. um, you're doing speaking events. Mm. Um, yeah. And I understand that you found that um, you found love recently, mm. and yes. um, um, that there's you know yeah pretty exciting yeah. times ahead. Yeah, what's, I mean, what's next for you? Well, um, there's plenty of things happening. Yeah, you know, um, recently got married, and um, yeah, we've got three little kids, um, and you know life's taking a new you know turn, but it's good. And it's different, and um, I never, I guess, I never really expected to go down that path. But it's, um, it's a, uh, you know, it's been an eye-opening change, and um, you know, I guess you never know what's going to happen in life. I suppose the things that we sometimes expect or don't expect, you know, happen come our way, and um, you know, that's part of it. But uh, it's good, you know. I um, I enjoy the, having kids around and... How old are the kids? Yeah. Um, four, six and eight. Yeah, and so they're so, busy. <laughs> yeah, they're active little kids. Yeah. But, uh, but it's, you know, it's super good to be able to um, watch them grow up and see their, you know, what their personalities are like and that sort of thing. So, yeah, it's um, it's a good good time, yeah. Yeah. What have they added to your, to your world? Um... Well, plenty of activity, but um, I don't know. I guess it makes you less focused on yourself as well, you know, like taking other, other things around you and um, and you appreciate just the, the time you can spend with them, I suppose, yeah. Yeah, yeah, beautiful. Um, and what's next on the horizon for the yeah. foundation? Well, yeah, we want to obviously see this clinical trial get, um, you know, further progressed underway. Um and, uh, yeah, we're just, you know, working on developing that. We're always running events. So the, our foundation has always got um, an event happening near you. Um, <laughs> we're, uh, yeah, we run events in Melbourne, Sydney and Brisbane, Gold Coast, um, mainly up and down the east coast of Australia. Um, and, yeah, we run a, an event called SIP Week, which is the Spinal Injury Project, SIP. And I have to drink all my drinks through a straw, so that's appropriate that... It's called SIP. Um, yeah, and SIP Week encourages people to um, sign up, drink all their drinks through a straw for a week and just take on the challenge of what it's like to be in my situation just for a few days and raise money, you know, support a good cause and, and experience what life is like and, um, and contribute to finding a cure for paralysis. Beautiful. So when's SIP Week on? It's... it's in September. Okay. Yeah. All right. We'll put all the links <laughs> up and, and yeah. share that around yeah. as well so yeah. you can drink through a straw. I yeah. love that. I'll get my coffee. Yeah. Well, I have to. Right, when no matter tea, coffee, beer, yeah. wine, it's all through a straw. Fantastic. So. What a yeah. challenge. Yeah. 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 So just a little, little bit of an insight into yeah. part of. Some of the challenges yeah. people face yeah. with paralysis, you know, it's, it's um, some of the small things. And often, like, you go somewhere, you have to have straws with you because if you go to, you know, a mate's house or if you go to wherever you are, go for a picnic, you know, yeah, and you don't have a straw, well, you're not, you're not going to be able to drink in a hurry, you know, and, and uh, 
as much as someone can sort of hold a cup to your mouth, it's not the same as being able to control the way you want to be able to drink. And yeah. obviously, um, staying hydrated, uh, staying hydrated is very important. Yeah, yeah. So it becomes <laughs> as critical as your yeah. phone and your yeah. wine. Definitely <laughs> having straw. With you. Yep. Um, yep. The name of this podcast is called Standout Life. When mm. I say that term, what does yeah. it mean to you to live a standout life? Well, when I think of standout life, I'm thinking about sit-down life. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. I was going to say that, yeah. but <laughs> no. sit-down, stunning life. Yeah. What does it um, <laughs> no, standout life, um, I think it's just enjoying life, you know, um, and there's a few things in life, but there's nothing more... Uh, important than our happiness like if you have a happy life that's all you can ask for and the the, the keys to happiness uh, our love and our family and friends and just that love and community um our health obviously and being in a fit state you know is massively important because if without your health you have nothing and um and obviously having a career and a focus that provides the ability to be happy as well. You know, as much as, you know, money can be an evil thing, can be a great thing in terms of providing the things we need. So it's that balance of health, wealth and love lead to happiness. Um, and happiness is all we can ever ask for. So if you've got happiness, I think you can live a standout life. I... I put my hat in the ring for that absolutely it's yeah. many happy years ahead yeah that's right thanks yeah. Perry thanks so much no worries thank you Ellie cheers If you've enjoyed today's episode, then there's every chance that you might also enjoy reading a copy of my book called Stand Out, a real world guide to get clear, find purpose and become the boss of busy. You can grab a copy by heading to my website, www.alisonhill.com.au. If you liked what you heard in this episode, I'd love it if you could take a few moments, pop over to iTunes and give this podcast a quick rating so that we can continue to share these conversations with people around the world. As always, I'm Ali Hill and this is Standout Life.